Do you have the lesson to uh, project? Let's, let's read together from uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 4. I'll, ju- I'll just read this, and then I'll uh, come back later to tell you uh, why we're here at this particular place in, in the letter. So, uh, Colossians... I'm going to read a different one. I'm, we've moved uh, farther. It's uh, Colossians chapter 4. It's okay, I will read it. So, uh, beginning with verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Yeah? Okay. You followed? So I, I was so pleased when I came tonight that uh, you remembered me. I've been away for uh, some months from this evening service anyway. And uh, back when we were searching for Sam, I was here every single Sunday night for about a, a year and uh, got to know the service very well. And then when Sam arrived, I was here, uh, I think it was two or three Sundays, and uh, decided that he would be better, it would be better for him if I weren't lurking in the, the background. So uh, I think that has been a good decision, and Sam has taken hold of this service, and I'm grateful for uh, his leadership with you. Anyway, I've missed you, and uh, it is good to be back, and I have looked forward to, uh, to being back with you. Uh, Sam has been leading th- this evening worship service in a study of Colossians, as most of you know, and I told him that I would very much like to step in on, this, on the night that I was here. Uh, I would like to step into the series, and I'm going to do that with this sermon tonight. But as you saw uh, when the scripture reading was uh, projected, uh, we're now at the end of the letter. Uh, We're deep into chapter 4, which is not necessarily a bad thing, since Paul's letters become very interesting toward the end. And uh, as an interesting exercise sometime, you might want to just read the endings of of Paul's letters. Uh, Those endings range from the very practical, I left my coat in Ephesus or wherever it was, would someone bring it uh, to me? Uh, or he says, you know, say hi to uh, Sylvanus or whoever it is. And, and, and then also to the very touching. Uh, I miss you. I long to see you. So uh, if you have a few moments sometime, just read those uh, endings to Paul's uh, letters. Uh, the, letter, uh, the ending to the letter to the Colossians is no exception. In, in case you're new to the series or are just dipping in for the first time tonight, let me repeat a couple of uh, key points uh, uh, first, that most scholars, and there's always going to be difference of uh, opinion about these things, but most scholars uh, date Colossians to the mid-50s, so uh, we're talking some 20 years after the death and, and uh, resurrection of Jesus. Uh, the letter, again, most scholars agree, uh, was written uh, while Paul was in prison. In fact, the, the text for tonight says as much, and therefore uh, it was probably written at the same time as the letter to Ephesus. Uh, with which it has some similarities. Uh, The letter, uh, well, one more quick observation. The the verses you see tonight uh, are are part of the last section 
of the letter, which contains instructions on holy living. Uh, And this last section actually begins with uh, chapter 3, verse 1. And I just narrowly missed having to preach about uh, uh, rules for Christian households. And uh, I know that Sam was a little anxious about that. We had a conversation. Apparently, he did okay with that. Uh, People have strongly uh, held opinions about what happens in Christian households. Uh, But Sam seems seems to have survived the test. On the other hand, he left on vacation afterwards. So uh, (laughs) I think it was okay. Uh, So tonight, uh, we really do turn to Paul's final, final instructions. And uh, this is certainly not the heart of the message uh, of Colossians. This is a rich letter, and if you haven't read it in its entirety, I encourage you to do it. Uh, What we're going to talk about tonight is not the heart or the main burden of uh, the letter by any means, but it is still very interesting, as we'll see, and I want to uh, take this section uh, line by line. It's really not that long, but uh, so if you have your Bibles or your phones uh, open uh, to this app, uh, you can just follow along as we look at it together. So first, uh, devote yourself to prayer. Uh, You won't be surprised to know, most of you know this already, but uh, in case you didn't, you won't be surprised to know that Paul never writes a letter uh, without urging people to pray. Uh, Prayer is his solution to every situation and Every problem, large or small, uh, a prayer for Paul is both a, a, a duty and a privilege. Uh, pray, pray, pray. And uh, there are a couple of interesting wrinkles in this instruction to pray that I would like you to see. Uh, first, he tells his readers, and I should probably say hearers, because these uh, letters were often read aloud in, in worship. So people were accustomed to hearing Paul's words uh, read to them. So he tells his listeners, first of all, to be watchful, which I think is very interesting. Uh, The word he uses in Greek means uh, uh, wakeful, as though uh, he means to say, stay awake when you pray. Uh, uh, It's quite possible, given the language that he uses here, that he means to say, don't fall asleep when you pray. Take this seriously. You know, don't leave it for the last thing you do before closing your eyes at night. All right, uh, set aside time for this, and uh, set aside quality time, because this is an important activity. You already know about some uh, uh, famous and embarrassing episodes uh, in uh, uh, the, the Gospels of people falling asleep during prayer on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is in Luke's account. Uh, the disciples, I mean, this is just uh, remarkable, really. They suddenly become very sleepy. Uh, on the top of the mountain. And uh, it is only when they are awake again that they experience God's glory breaking through. Uh, Maybe they were out too late the night before, but uh, they almost missed one of the most exciting moments in the gospel account. And then the other incident uh, of lack of wakefulness occurred just before Jesus' arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, And this is in Luke once again. Jesus is beside himself about what is uh, going to happen. And uh, he asks his disciples, his closest friends, to remain awake with him. Uh, But I think you know the story. Uh, They all kind of nod off on what must have been the most important night of their lives. Uh, So when you pray, writes Paul, be wakeful. Uh, Be alert, as though your heart is in it as though it really means something to you. 
And then here's the other interesting wrinkle in, in, in uh, Paul's words about prayer. He asks his listeners to pray uh, for him, uh, uh, but what's uh, important is how he phrases this. The, the, the prayers are not really for him personally. I mean, he, he might have asked, I think this would have been perfectly appropriate, he might have asked uh, for them to pray for his release from prison, but he doesn't. Uh, he might have asked them to pray for a successful outcome to his court case. Uh, that would have been understandable, but he doesn't. Uh, instead, and, and this is remarkable when you think about it in the context of uh, you know, where he is, Paul asks them to pray uh, that he might be given strength to do the work that God has sent him into the world to do. Uh, it's quite a remarkable request, I think. Re- remarkable in that it's uh, unselfish. And I hope you see that. Uh, uh, he set aside his happiness. He is setting aside uh, his desire for freedom and for his success as a human being, I guess, in order uh, to receive prayer for the work that God has given him to do. Now, this is not how my prayers usually sound. Uh, I am uh, much more selfish in my prayer life, and uh, maybe you are too. So, uh, Paul's words here are an inspiration to me, you know, and maybe they are to you. So uh, I'm, I'm going to encourage you to let Paul inspire you. When you pray, uh, pray not for what is uppermost on your mind. Uh, pray for what is uppermost on God's mind. So let's keep going. Be wise, uh, Paul writes, in the way you act toward uh, outsiders. Uh, another translation has it, conduct yourselves wisely in the presence of outsiders. I have to say I don't like this. Uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, when I was growing up, this was often a theme from my parents. And uh, from the church of my childhood, I was frequently reminded that people were watching. And that my life was a witness. Uh, uh, the way I dressed, uh, the way I cut my hair, and you should see pictures from the 1970s, uh, uh, by the way, uh, the way I cut my hair, the way I drove my car, these were all ways that the, the world judged me, or, or so I was told. And, and I didn't like it very much then, and uh, I'm not sure that I like it any better now, but I have come to see the wisdom in what Paul writes to us. Uh, our lives, in many ways, are, are much more powerful testimonies uh, to what we believe than the words we speak. Uh, you may speak eloquently about God's love and, and about how God's grace has transformed your life, blah, 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 good for you, but if your character, if your behavior is not in alignment with what you say you believe, then your words are empty. They have no meaning. Uh, as uh, William Barclay, I don't think I've ever quoted him in a sermon before, but an Anglican uh, pastor, as William Barclay once put it, your life is an advertisement. Uh, for the faith you say uh, you believe. Uh, I wish people could uh, see the uh, wonderful and kind and generous and sensitive and and thoughtful person I know myself to be. But it's not enough to say it. Uh, I I need to demonstrate that for you. I had a preaching professor one time uh, who liked to say, show me, don't tell me. And uh, what he meant, of course, was that even in preaching, it's not enough to say the right words Uh, Everything about us, uh, everything needs to proclaim the gospel message that is at the core of our being. Uh, Here's a good one. Let's uh, keep going. Uh, uh, Let your speech always be gracious, 
and uh, seasoned with salt. And let me just point out that this is not permission to use salty language. That, you don't read it that way, do you? I don't think that's what uh, Paul has in mind. In Paul's times, uh, salt was used uh, primarily as a, a preservative, keeping meat, uh, for example, from spoiling. And uh, I think this is interesting. Salt was valuable enough. Uh, this is hard to believe, I suppose. It was valuable enough at the time to be used as currency. Uh, and, of course, uh, salt also changes the flavor of w- whatever it is added to. And so uh, one meaning, and this should get your attention, uh, one meaning here is that our, our words are like salt in that they preserve the message of Christ. All right? they, they, they keep this message uh, alive. Uh, the temptation, of course, is to think that our words don't uh, matter very much. We say them, we don't always mean them, but when others hear them, they typically take our words very, very seriously. And uh, I, just to give you an example, I, I, I know far more about social media today than uh, I really need to know. And one of the things I've, I've learned by actively participating in, in social media is that people are not very careful with their language. Uh, frankly, I'm shocked. Uh, the, the, the language people use and the tone they convey and, and the dismissiveness and the scorn, uh, frankly, the hate, it, it, it's shocking. People will leave comments in social media that they would never use, or I can't imagine that they would use them in person. And for some reason, uh, typing them makes the words okay. And uh, so literally what Paul is saying to us uh, here is, let your speech be gracious as if it were seasoned with salt. Uh, grace being to speech what salt is to meat. Uh, use language that is savory and, and agreeable to the taste buds. Uh, use language that builds up and blesses uh, rather than tears down and destroys. With the words you speak, uh, bring life and joy and peace. Uh, you may become an unpopular user of uh, social media as a result, but you will be giving a far better testimony to uh, your faith if you do. Now, what's important to remember uh, here is that for Paul, every encounter, uh, every conversation he has, every casual meeting, and and with Paul, there are no casual meetings, uh, uh, but every casual meeting was an opportunity in his life for sharing the faith. Uh, I heard a preacher say one time that if you were chained in prison next to Paul, you would become a a convert to the faith. You know, no question about that. He, He was relentless in his sharing of the faith. He was uh, persuasive, and you didn't stand a chance uh, in his presence. You would convert just to get him to stop talking, not, not really. But uh, he, he shared the faith in every uh, possible opportunity. I have a friend here in Zurich who uh, reminds me a little of, of Paul. Every uh, conversation for him, uh, every encounter is an opportunity to share the gospel. Uh, He can be on the train, he can be just walking around the city, and and suddenly, and I've been with him when this happens, uh, he's in a deep conversation with someone uh, about how Christ has changed his life. And it's remarkable to to witness this. He has something he calls camera evangelism. This is something you you can try. Uh, If he sees a couple taking a selfie uh, at Berkeley Plots or one of the bridges, he offers to take the picture uh, for them. And then, uh, you guessed it, uh, it's the only opening he needs. 
And uh, by the time he has taken a couple of pictures, the couple has been introduced to Jesus Christ. And he is good uh, at this. Uh, I usually tell myself that uh, well, he, uh, Kevin has a gift for sharing the faith. You know, and that's just not something I do very well. I mean, that's how I rationalize uh, my behavior, as though that lets me off the hook. And to be honest, I don't know how I feel about camera evangelism, but what I do know is that I am not looking every day, every single day for these encounters. Right? I have my earbuds in on the train. I have my game face on as though you should stay away from me when I'm concentrating on the German conversations or whatever I'm listening to. Uh, and that is not, that's obviously not how Paul felt about his life. So when I think about Paul, I'm humbled by how little salt there is in in my speech. Uh, I know I need to be better, and I feel challenged to step up my game. Whenever I read Colossians, I think of, uh, well, I'm going to quote William Barclay again. Uh, Whenever I think of Colossians, I think of this famous quote, uh, uh, which he wrote a, a generation or so ago. The Christian, he writes, must have charm and wit in his speech in addition to salt. So let me ask you something, and I'll, 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 close, uh, I'll close with this. Is there charm and wit in your language? You know, uh, or, or does your uh, language need some attention? Does your language need some grace, the way uh, meat needs salt? Is it possible that your words are not conveying to the people around you the faith that is in you? Uh, Look, not not all of us are called to be evangelists. Uh, I sometimes tell my friend who does the camera evangelism that he is clearly called to be a missionary, while my job is, or my calling is to be a pastor. Uh, uh, But the truth is we are all called, uh, every single one of us, to live lives that witness uh, to what we believe. And often we're blind uh, to how others see us. We may think we're doing a pretty good job of reflecting the faith, but sometimes a friend, and it would require a courageous friend, but sometimes a friend can point out uh, behaviors to us that need to change. It scares me to say this, but I think that uh, what is supposed to happen in the church uh, is that iron sharpens iron. Uh, We become the people we are supposed to be by living in community and by listening to the Uh, comments that people make to us and learning about ourselves and bumping into other people now and then and and getting bruised and hurt in the process. It's not pleasant, uh, and it can be deeply painful, but sometimes it's exactly what we need. Uh, In it all, this is the hope. Uh, In it all, our faith is deepened, and we learn to talk about it, and we learn to live it. Will you pray with me? Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for these words of Paul, which have surprisingly deep meaning for us some 2,000 years later. Uh, Our prayer is that you will uh, send your spirit to us to work within us, to make those changes in us that we realize are necessary but that are sometimes difficult to make. We pray that you will uh, uh, turn us into the people that you have created us to be. We pray this in in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.